when did you move to Kansas? Uh, 2013, so I've watched Kansas for a very long time, actually. Patrick Miller teaches political science at the University of Kansas. So long-time observer, and actually never thought I would end up here, but I did. And he came here because he was interested in political parties. What makes a Democrat a Democrat, or a Republican a Republican? Turns out Kansas was kind of a great place to do this work. Um. You know, I I would say that when I came here, I already had a background in the politics of the state. And it was very interesting to to actually see it close up. It's a small state. So just by virtue of being a political scientist who tweets, I end up like having conversations with or coffees with actual elected officials who want to talk and, you know, from all over the political spectrum who just want to talk politics. For years, Republicans ruled this state. They had a trifecta, control of both legislative bodies and a Republican governor. Over those coffees, Patrick would hear stories about how party control was gradually getting more rigid, squeezing out moderate voices. One of the moderate Republicans who... Now, I don't want to speak for her. I mean, they're all women. I mean, but she'll tell you about, you know, going into party events, whether it's local party or, you know, walking into a caucus meeting in the legislature of your colleagues and being booed, being called names, being hissed at by people who are supposed to be in your party, in your allies. Another one of those moderate Republicans, a woman. Has, you know, talked pretty openly, I think, on social media about feeling threatened by her colleagues, uh, her Republican colleagues who perhaps have singled her out as a woman, maybe seeing her as weaker and, you know, saying things to her, pointing out how, well, they're carrying a gun, which they can do in the Kansas legislature, is a totally irrelevant comment to some other conversation. Hold it. Um, well, well, doing legislative work, another legislator said to her, yeah, I'm carrying a gun. Yeah. Yeah, I don't care. Like, it said it like in a joking kind of way, but that's a totally irrelevant comment to the conversation that's being had. Yeah, but I guess you're painting this picture of a political party that operates more like the mafia. <laughs> ah, well, politics is like that in a lot of places. Yeah. Um... But a few weeks back came the first signs that something might change. First, a Democrat was elected governor. And then... Two more Kansas lawmakers leaving the Republican Party to become Democrats. I am not a Trump Republican, not a Chris Kobach Republican. When Kansas Republican leaders announced they want to scrap the new school funding plan, Clayton decided to leave the GOP. As such, I knew that I really couldn't be in line with my party anymore, especially on that issue. So I'm done. Over the course of a single week, four state legislators, all moderates, left the Republican Party, one by one. Patrick says these decisions kind of make sense. Like, who would stay in a party that openly rejects you, even threatens you? But that what's happening in Kansas tells this bigger story about what a Republican even is. For most of our history, if we look at how legislators voted, polarized parties were really the norm. And... It was this New Deal to late 20th century era where you had two relatively centrist parties that is rather more of the exception in American history. 
So in a sense, maybe we're going back to really where we were for the early part of our republic with two parties that had really stark policy visions that they, that they, they offered us. I'm Mary Harris, and today we're going to go a thousand miles due west of Washington and ask, what next in Kansas? These Republican Party defections, they all started with one woman who's been in state politics for nearly a decade. And we'll talk to her and try to figure out why'd she make this choice. And in a state Trump won by 20 points, what does her choice say about the future of the Republican Party? Stay with us. Sign up to The Economist for in-depth curated expert analysis of world events and topics ranging from business and culture to science and technology. You'll get the weekly digital edition, online-only articles, curated newsletters on politics, the markets, science, culture and China, and full access to The Economist Podcast Plus. The Economist is independent journalism for independent thinking. Go to economist.com and get your first month free. Can we just start out, um, give me your name and your title so we get that right. Barbara Bollier, Senator, District 7, Kansas. Let me just say, I didn't mean to make my very first question to Barbara Bollier a gotcha. And what party are you? I am a Democratic Party now. I love that. Not, I'm a Democrat. I'm a Democratic Party now. It's like she's still getting used to saying her age after a birthday. Does it feel weird to say that? It is different. It doesn't just roll off the tongue because I've said I was a moderate Republican my entire life. But it feels good. It feels good? Yes. She's saying it feels good because being a Republican has felt really, really bad for some time now. The whole party mafia thing we were talking about earlier, Barbara Bollier was on the crap end of that situation for years. She found herself disagreeing with conservatives in her party on school funding and Medicaid expansion. And when she endorsed a couple of Democrats for state office, Republicans actually bounced her from a key Senate committee. And, you know, things just kept going downhill in our relationships. And it became clear that the best way for me to represent my people was to change parties. Was it emotional? Very. Because... I care so much about getting things done for the people. I'm disappointed. That is a very mild statement of saying I'm disappointed in the Republican leadership, not only in my state, but in this country for what I see as a moving from what I thought the party represented and stood for into a place that is very much further to the right and not necessarily listening to the people. And a perfect example of that is the last few years where Kansas, the legislature, passed Medicaid expansion and our Republican governor vetoed that very bill. Hmm. And yet the people and, and, you know, now you see the results of our gubernatorial election electing a Democrat who one of her primary campaign statements is, I will be supporting Medicaid expansion. And that's what the people want and need in our state. You know, after you made your announcement, other legislators started coming out of the woodwork and switching parties, too. Did you expect that? I did not expect that. I honestly, 
I know those people were struggling as I was. We've had discussions over years of time about how we just feel the party left us, and I would suspect it took at least one to make the first move. That would have happened to be me. But I know that each one of those women feel very strongly that they need to be in public service to serve the people. And when the party's not representing the values of their constituency and is uh, blocking or getting in the way of them serving well, they realized it was time to change as well. You know, this is going to sound a little bit harsh, but when I looked at your record, I was just like, were you ever a Republican in the first place? Uh, You know, people have asked that question, and my answer is yes. I grew up in the value system that government uh, is best closest to the people, local control, and certainly that we uh, don't want too much government. But that being said, the Republican Party that I've been uh, a part of in Kansas, not voting with, but a part of, has stripped local control on multiple issues in the state and was doing things like borrowing money, the whole fiscal conservancy notion of a Republican platform was gone when they were uh, borrowing money to pay the bills. That That just doesn't fit with what I thought Republicanism is. So to say that I was not, well, there were other issues that have evolved over time that are more social issues. I thought Republicans were people who supported liberty, freedom, and justice. And when you start excluding certain groups from protections, that doesn't represent that value system either. Yeah, and I mean, in Kansas, Republicans have had a supermajority, right, in the legislature. So was it kind of... Recently, yes. Yeah. Was it a way to get things done, too, where it's like you're part of the party that's in charge? Yes. But I would also caution people to recognize that that supermajority consisted of a very split group of both moderate Republicans and conservative Republicans. And if you look at bills that have been passed, like Medicaid expansion, you will see the majority vote was a coalition of moderate Republicans and Democrats. So we really had three parties. We have three parties. The three parties are the Democrats. The moderate Republicans, the conservative Republicans, which falls under one umbrella of Republicans. But for instance, I've been a Republican nine years and never received a dime from the Republican Party. And they've always sought to find people to run against me because they didn't want my kind of republicanism. They wanted the conservative kind. And I am far from alone in the state. And we, as moderate Republicans, would fundraise together, separate from the rest of the party. So we really have three functioning, essentially, groups. Yeah, I want to talk to you a little bit about that, because when I look at your state, it voted for Trump by like 20 points, a big margin. And in some ways, I feel like Kansas is one of those places where the sort of modern definition of republicanism got its start 
you have Senator Brownback, who is sent to Washington as part of the Gingrich Revolution. And he was, until recently, the governor there. So you mentioned how you weren't able to raise money with the local Republican Party. I I wonder if you can talk a little bit about how the definition of republicanism has changed in Kansas over the last couple of decades. I think you can look directly at the party platform to see that. There was a tremendous influence over time from the Kansans for Life organization. You also have the influence of the Koch brothers, who uh, Charles Koch ran for president under the libertarian banner and failed and said, what can I do to get what I want done, and realized if he partnered with the religious right, per se, and the anti-abortion movement and and the likes of that, uh, in places like Kansas, he could uh, get his tax policies passed by those people. And he was successful, if you look at Kansas. But that's changing as the people have recognized that was maybe in Koch brothers' best interest, but not their best interest. Yeah, what have these policies done to the state? Well, it has devastated the infrastructure of our state, starting with actual government, the ability for government to function properly. There just aren't enough people to do the jobs that need to be done on things like foster care and child welfare and mental health and care of the elderly and sustaining our uh, roads and transportation system and paying for our schools that, uh, in a way that meets constitutional check marks and on and on. So, And is that just because there's not enough money allocated for it? Yes. And when we had this huge tax cut that just took all the money away and then we started borrowing money to pay for things and, we, and, and cutting everything... I was in a meeting this morning and found out that our uh, Kansas Department of Aging and Disabilities computer system is still based in DOS. I mean, that was when I was in college, and I'm 60. So we've got huge things to uh, fix and redo and build back up straight from a Republican, less government mentality. Well, well, you got to have enough government. Huh. The way the National Republican Party has started drifting rightward, I think of it kind of like global warming. Each political ecosystem is feeling it a little differently. In Kansas, lifelong Republicans are adapting as best they can. But some of them, like Barbara Bollier, are finding themselves without a habitat. Sure, Bollier calls herself a Democrat now. And yeah, the incoming governor's a Democrat too. But Republicans are still the supermajority in the Kansas legislature. I asked Bollier if she thinks she'll be more or less effective in her new party. She's honestly not sure. I don't know the answer to that. I can't project the future. My own ability and and commitment to working with all remains. So I'm not going to be any different. The D versus the R, or if you put anything else, that, that just doesn't affect me and my behavior and my way of trying to get things done. But politics are what they are, and when people only look for a certain party 
to be in charge, then, you know, you miss out on good ideas and things that can move a state forward. So if nothing else, I just hope it will make people more aware that this is going on in the state and think about their votes come 2020 about what they want moving forward in the state and how they want that to happen. Thank you so much for taking the time to talk to us, Senator Bollier. Thank you. I appreciate the opportunity. It's great to meet you on the radio. (laughs) This episode is brought to you by Discover. When it comes to your finances, Discover wants you to know they are the credit card that is always there for you. With 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, that means no more waiting for, quote, normal business hours just to get a hold of someone. We are talking real service from real people whenever you need it. Get the customer service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. All right, before we go, one last rabbit hole I couldn't help going down. The Golden Globes. They were last night, and yeah, this is their theme song. Even if you hate award shows, now that this first ceremony is over and done with, you're probably thinking the way I was. Like, okay, now I have a better idea of who's going to win an Oscar, right? Turns out, nah. The Golden Globes and the Oscars only agree on who the best picture winner should be about half the time, according to 538. Turns out you're going to have to wait for the Director's Guild Awards. Those are February 2nd if you're looking to win your office Oscars pool. Their Outstanding Direction feature film winner also won Best Picture 80% of the time. And that's the show. What Next is back five days a week, coming down your feed bright and early each morning. Tell us what you think by leaving us a rating and review on iTunes. That review, it's how other people find us. So go ahead, give us some love. What Next is hosted by me, Mary Harris, and produced by Mary Wilson and Jason DeLeon. Talk to you tomorrow. This is the story of The One. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.